0: Hello. Sorry about that. Um, Okay, so I know today we're trying to get our neurodivergent monthlies off and running, and the attendance is going to be low. So I'm going to run through the notes I have. I'm going to create this recording either way, whether you guys can stay on the whole time or not, um, or whether we have more people hop on or not. But today, I I feel like all of these neurodivergent Zooms are going to have to be prompted with the fact that like Nothing I'm going to talk about do I expect it to be like, oh, problem solved. I watched the Zoom, you know, so keep that in mind is everything I'm going to go over. My goal for today is to give you a sense of relatability, um, a sense of understanding, you know, maybe some I do offer some tools at the end. But all of this is a means for us to continue our conversations one on one you know, they're so nuanced and individual for everybody. Um, So I didn't want to take an approach like, here's how to, you know, here's what ASD um, meltdown looks like. Here's what ADHD meltdown looks like. I feel like because it's so nuanced across the board with all forms of neurodivergence, I'm just going to go over the relatability aspect of it. And then we'll go from there one-on-one. Okay. So Keep me posted in the chat as you're watching along. Any thoughts or questions you have. So um, overstimulation meltdowns, they look different for all of us, right? And it's impacted a lot by the subtle ways we develop and grow, the trauma we experience, how we respond or how we melt down. But a meltdown itself can appear vastly different from person to person. You know, and this is also where um, attachment styles can play in. You know, and that could be a zoom in and of itself. But the idea of, you know, some of you guys, if you remember the unpacking the boxes calls, when I tell you, you know, you might burn it down before it has a chance to burn you, right? That's an attachment style. If you're the type to just ghost, that's an attachment style. So that also impacts how our meltdowns might come across as well. So, for example, you might completely shut down, not be able to talk to anybody, not care about anything you might lash out at anybody around you. You know, you might turn to anyone and you're a good person, but here you are yelling at vulnerable people. You might internalize it all and just build up and build up and build up. You know, um, you might hurt yourself, self-harm. That a lot of times, you know, growing up and not realizing I had ADHD and I was on the spectrum. I wonder often how much self-harm had to do with just meltdowns and absolute overwhelm and needing to focus on something. You know, so um, even if you don't have your traditional self-harm, people hit themselves, you know, like it's just an absolute outburst, whether that's words or actions, you know. Um, And then let's all talk about, you know, the thing no one likes to talk about because they think they're going to get like reported somewhere. But how about those meltdowns where you literally just don't want to exist and there's no there's nothing orchestrated behind it. There is no reality involved in that. It is just simply an overwhelm with your existence. And I feel like a lot of people get freaked out by that, understandably, but it is just the ultimate, I can't handle everything around me moment, you know, meltdown as well. You know, um, I want to know from you guys watching, I know, again, we have low attendance. So if you don't feel comfortable sharing, that's totally okay. But have you ever experienced a meltdown in any capacity it doesn't even have to be the ones I've listed. Maybe I missed something, but if you feel comfortable sharing, what does your meltdown tend to look like or feel like? Not to put you on the spot or anything. Um, while you're typing that, you know, I could give you a, a funny, I guess it's not funny, it's kind of funny, but. Who remembers the cake that I made for my niece's birthday, where I had all, it looked like a, it was like a 2D cartoon cake. All of the black lines on the entire cake were actually pushed through a clay gun. It was black fondant that was made into little tiny ropes that I cut and I placed with tweezers and exacto knives on the entire cake. And if you've ever worked with cakes, fondant gets extremely sticky when it gets wet. And in order for you to attach these little things onto the cake, you have to put a little, little bit of water on it and then put put it on. But the problem is when stuff starts getting on your hands and your tweezers and your exacto knife, and it all starts sticking to each other. I get like worked up thinking about it. Um, my meltdown came because I was really anxious going to the party. I just, I get anxiety before parties. I always have, I need to decompress, but for this event I was making a cake for everybody um, and it was exhausting I did I was making I was working on it for like days on end while working and everything and the freaking piece of fun and we were gonna be late I hadn't gotten ready yet and this piece of fun it kept sticking to my hand and it would make sense that I would be frustrated right what the meltdown part of it was do you guys remember I was working on one of, on a long mirror at one point? And I had all the K-cups that I was using, and I wanted to recycle all around it. And I was going to make something cool with it. I blacked out in that moment, ran like doodle bob over to this mirror, and then thrashed it on the ground. I currently have a dent in my floor because I smashed this mirror. I don't, why would I pick the mirror? Why would I pick the piece of glass I I just it was a complete flooding a mental flooding um and I that's what I did I broke it and then I cried because I couldn't believe I did that and I hadn't had a meltdown in a really long time and then Nick was really cute and he cleaned it you know so just if that breaks the ice in terms of meltdowns at all you know is that could be that's a sensory meltdown which we'll talk about but um, I think a lot of the stigma being someone on the spectrum who doesn't seem, quote unquote, like they're on the spectrum is if you see a child having a sensory meltdown and they're being destructive and they're be- they're just running around like crazy, you know, it's like, oh, you know, there's an autistic child. You see an adult do that. And it's like that person is batshit crazy. And it's really hard. The shame that comes with that. I didn't know that I was having sensory meltdowns all my life, you know, until I had to experience them as an adult where I have the awareness to be like, Oh, I didn't experience a possession. Like that was, that was a meltdown, you know? So let's see what y'all are saying here. Mental spiraling. Okay. I don't know. I have, I have a love hate relationship with the word spiral because I think that it has, I I think that it's used. I don't know how to say this without sounding invalidating because I don't mean it that way. I think we are afraid of really big feelings and thoughts and processing things. And I think a lot of times, what could be an extremely upsetting, overwhelming, um, overstimulating experience, spiraling is like I spiraled. I ended up on a three-day, you know, stint where I didn't even leave my room except, you know, maybe to pee once. Like I didn't talk to anybody. I stopped taking all my meds. I blah blah blah. Spiral can mean that spiral can mean I had a lot of thoughts in one minute. It's so vague that it never really lets us figure out what am I actually feeling? Like, what am I experiencing? Because then it kind of enters this realm of the spiral. And really, it's like, who the hell wants to process that, you know? So my point to all that is, what is your spiral? Because I think it's important that when someone uses that term, why they're saying it should be looked into but like that's the love part of the relationship but then the hate part is the but what do you mean by that because everybody's spiral is different you know so to you Becca what is a spiral or your spiral they mo sometimes it's yelling and crying and sometimes I go straight up nonverbal, physically cannot speak yep that's also sensory meltdowns the amount of pants I have that just ripped the waist that I just whipped ripped away straight in half. Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. You know how many times I've been in a fitting room and I've gotten into a straight up fight with my mom because I just, I, she's like, why are you, why'd you just become such a bitch? And I'm like, I can't even explain to you that I want to rip these clothes off of me. And I'm aware that I cannot do that. So I need to get the hell out of here. Um, yeah, no, I didn't even, I didn't even think of the dressing room. Dressing rooms were always a nightmare because you're hot. Everything's pulling at you. You're sweating. Nothing feels right. You're claustrophobic. Like it's, uh. um, and then also I have straight up ripped a shirt Hulk style off of my body. New shirt, new shirt. It just had like a, a slip part to it that wasn't laying right. I hate when they have linings that are not sewn correctly with the rest of the shell and they just are attached, but don't lay right. Clean off. Yep. Absolutely. I'm not even dressing rooms. It's like being out in the world with no options for changing. I don't know. I will straight up not leave my house if I have something that's like irking me. But I've been caught in public wearing things that like the tag didn't bother me before I left. And I've literally interrupted class to ask for scissors. So I've thrown underwear out at work. Oh, it's like breadcrumbs. <laughs> I don't know why that made me think of that. Um, but yeah, so um uh, when it comes to I like your point before though, Becca, going back to the spiraling, right? I think when it comes to spiraling, if you feel like my spiral is I just can't process anything, I can't think anything, then that's just that's a meltdown. It's not even like spiraling, like it's a process. That's you're there, right? So that goes down to what I'm saying here is there are two types of meltdowns. There's the meltdowns that you can quote unquote prevent, meaning they're being triggered by things that can be figured out or worked on or whatever. And then another one which you know you can't prevent, like a sensory meltdown. You know sometimes it's just not preventable. Um, or what did I write here? extreme circumstances, like if you're having like auditory or sensory meltdowns or an extreme circumstances going on in your life, and you're having a traumatic time processing, like those meltdowns are going to kind of come with the territory, right? So they got to be managed rather than prevented. And then there are the meltdowns that are triggered. And I think the most important thing is to remember, and it's going to be so much, this is one of those things where it's like easier said than done, but is to like, forgive yourself for that you these issues don't exist just because you're an asshole, right? They don't exist because you're like, what better things do I have to do? I'm just going to choose to never get better, right? Or I'm going to choose to make things complicated. Like, we don't enjoy feeling this way. So being mad at ourselves for going through these things is like doubling down on kicking our own ass. Like, who benefits from that? And it's so funny because when I tell clients that a lot of times they'll be like, well, it's easier to just be mean to myself or be like hard on myself. Why? It makes us feel like we're going to get our act together. Has it worked yet? You know, so if not for anything else, just try a new, att- a new system, a new way, right? And just say to yourself, like, my brain is acting the way my brain acts because that's the way my brain is. I'm learning how to work around it. But that's just what my brain does as much as I wish it were different. You know, you don't have to be like, all brains are great. We don't necessarily always feel that way. Right. I think it's bullshit to be like, um, oh, neurodivergence is a superpower. Not always. It's the kryptonite, too. You know, like, so I think that it's important to just remember all we can give ourselves throughout this is some slack. You know, we didn't do it on purpose. We're not just being difficult. Right. So how about the ones we can prevent? Right. So this is that this is what I was saying before is like it's so nuanced and it's so individual that this cannot even be begin, like I can't even begin to scratch that on this call. But if you're really looking at it, I think a lot of times we look back at situations where we were triggered or we had a meltdown and we don't allow ourselves to look at what led up. And if we do, we're looking at what led up in a way where we're still attaching emotion to it. We're still mad at ourselves or upset it happened, even if it's understandable, right? I think what's important is to go back and look at the past in terms of looking for data, for information, you know, like what truly, what was I feeling from other people? And eliminate the idea of like, if you were thinking about it correctly, if you were overthinking, like get rid of that. We're just looking bird's eye view, like someone was doing a reenactment for us. We're just going back and trying to find some data. You know, and just really think like, if it was or wasn't the case, what was I perceiving a situation to be? What was I feeling from the people around me? What did I do? And how did that, that pan out? What was I, you know, like try to replay it in a way where you can learn from that. Because we spend so much time being horrified that we react this way or not wanting to react that way again, that we don't spend any time just leaning into, well, what caused that? It happened for a reason. If we sit here and tell other people their feelings are valid, aren't ours, right? So, you know, what led to it? Um, another thing, PMDD is a huge, huge thing. PMDD reduces your threshold to zero on a, without anything like this, without overstimulation, without stress of everyday life. PMDD just in general makes things feel like you are in the gutter, right? So if you get overstimulated and you have meltdowns, that's going to happen more. I feel like anyone with PMDD knows they're like, oh, I know. Um, But your meltdowns are more prone to happening during that time because you'll you'll go back and forth between like apathy and like everything sucks. I don't want to be here. So that's a meltdown like I was saying in the beginning being overstimulated by your mere existence and ability to think meltdown, even if it's not you thrashing a mirror on the floor, like I was right. So that those are the things, you know, if you're trying to prevent it, your best, your best weapon, besides, like I said, our one-on-ones therapy you know trying to really work on the, on those triggers and things that lead up to it. You got to find what the hell leads up to it first. And trying to go back and retrace your steps without judgment towards yourself might be harder than you think, you know, but it's, it's a really good journaling exercise. We spend all our time cringing about how we reacted, but again, what does that serve us? It still happened. Might as well pick apart the carcass of our good time and try to salvage what we can, you know, and learn from it. It Got dark. So, um, let's see. So again, we continue that on our one-on-one. Then what about the ones that we can't prevent, like sensory or auditory? Right. And like I mentioned with the stuff on my hands, I obviously, I know logically there is nothing wrong with the fondant being on my hands. That's logic isn't what causes an auditory or a sensory meltdown. Right. So, and when I say auditory, my, my, uh, parent clients in here feel so guilty, but, If you got little kids with their high-pitched voice going, mom, mom, mommy, mom, dad, mom, 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 all day long, and you're making a million decisions, and your other neurodivergent qualities are triggered and affected, and there is nobody else to help you out, you know what, guess what that's a recipe for? That's an auditory meltdown you know, and I have clients who will feel like I'm so guilty. They feel so guilty. They're like, I am so bad to them. I, I like, I, I treat, I'd say something terrible to them and then I run away and they have so much shame, but I'm like, let's look at this. What could be triggering this? And for auditory stuff and for sensory stuff, it's hard. Like I said, they're non-preventable a lot, a lot of times, you know, like if there's a certain sound you hate. Don't play it on repeat in your house, obviously. But, um, a lot of times it's like you get something on your hands in a store, Ugh, that happened to me at Home Goods the other day. The worst. Sticky the whole way home. Awful. Um, and I feel like Home Goods and like Marshalls, like those kind of stores. If I've ever touched something and got my hands were sticky, it was at one of those stores. And I don't know why. Anyway. Um, you know, like I don't even know where I was saying before that because I got so thrown off thinking about how gross that was. But, you know, if you're uh, you can do, I was doing sensory and auditory prevention oh like sometimes if you're out and you get something on your hands or like I said it's just one of those days your kids are acting a mess and every every sound they're making makes your skin crawl you know um and you hate yourself for it you know like it could be whatever but when it's happening it's about managing and the hardest thing about managing is you'll either be in a meltdown where you can think things through and formulate words and logic can still be in the building. And then you'll have a meltdown like when you're thrashing a mirror on the floor and there is no logic in the building. It's just pure meltdown. Right. So let's tackle some tools to help you when it's the verbal kind of, you know, like the communicable kind of friggin meltdown. And you can actually talk to yourself a little bit and regulate. Okay, so and this helps for when you see it coming and you can try to intervene. Right. So first thing, leave the situation. I know. I'm not saying any of these suggestions are as ideal as you not having a sensory or um, a meltdown in that moment. But should you find yourself having a meltdown, your ideal has already left the building. So if we're thinking about what effort we do want to still put to try and make it a little bit better, even if it's not the easiest thing in the world, if it's possible at all, leave the situation, go put yourself in a closet, go in a bathroom, go in a car, go under a cover, you know, just like as far as you can from a situation. I know this is particularly hard, um, for clients with small kids. I get it, but try within the realm of reality, even if it's inconvenient. Okay. So that's just, you know, I know wow, groundbreaking second thing, I know this feels sounds weird. Drink something cold, vagus nerve baby. So if you stimulate, you know, having something cold, first of all, kind of jolts your system. So you become more present and aware because you're drinking something and it's cold. And second of all, it helps the vagus nerve when you like fast gulp down something. It's the weirdest thing. Okay. So gulp something down cold. Okay. Then focus on your breathing. I know another groundbreaking tip, but in that moment, you want to think of really putting your priority into anything in your toolbox. And I, as annoying as it is, it's like being told to drink more water. Um, just try to really focus on your breathing, and not my OCD <laughs> clients listening to this. Not in a way that makes you start freaking out about your breathing, but just try to like rein it in a little bit if you can. Okay, if you're particularly worked up, if you gotta cry, cry it out. Don't pr- don't try to stop it. I know. Nobody wants to sit there and be crying, right? Nobody enjoys crying, so which is why I don't understand why people make sad movies. So I freaking hate crying. But if you have to cry and you have a literal lump in your throat preventing, like, like you feel like that's the only thing keeping you from bawling, then what you're experiencing is a cortisol spike. Because your body is trying to literally make you release and bring down your cortisol. When you cry, it's the same as if you get the shivers when you're really anxious, even though you're not cold. It's your body's way of trying to work out excess energy. So I know it sucks and it's not always convenient. Like I said, your ideal is out the window already, but see if you can go tuck in somewhere and just cry it out because you're not going to be crying for hours straight. It just feels that way, right? You'll probably be suffering for hours straight if you're trying to prevent yourself from letting it out. But that's the biggest thing. And a lot of adult meltdowns get worse because it's you're like, why do I want to cry right now? So let it happen. Then here's a here's a throwback. Who remembers the five? So five, five rule. Okay. And this is, again, this is only the meltdown where you can literally still be hearing your own thoughts and communicating and not shut down completely okay so for that point or a different one five five rule is you want to look around you and find five things that are good and five things that are true about right now so the magic of this exercise is you want it to be as small as possible and as like as true and as good as possible but right where you are not Things that are off in the future that are fun to think about. Like, I mean, you want to get real present, meaning five things that are good. Um, my seat that I'm sitting in is comfy. I have warm socks on. I'm going to eat dinner after this. Um, I like this pink tumbler, you know, and then five things that are true. I'm sitting in a chair. I have socks on my feet, you know, like try to, you know, I, it's comfortable. The temperatures come or no something that's true. Um, the lights are on, the lamps are on right now. Uh, I see me as sleeping, you know? So the idea is to bring together kind of the, the, everybody knows the grounding techniques, right? Where you're just trying to bring your awareness to right now. And it's like kind of bridging that in with, thinking about things outside of yourself in that moment. So you're getting present by just focusing on your immediate surroundings and what is good and what is true. And as small, the smaller those things can be, the better. That's really the exercise itself. Before you know it, the idea is like to really have to think about it like I was doing, because before you know it, you're more distracted by trying to figure out what you're going to say that your nervous system has had a chance to kind of catch up and realize that you're not in eminent danger. So five, five rule. Oh my God, it's been a while. Um, And then embrace. I'm going to do it again with you guys. I know there's recordings of just the embracing. Those of you who are listening to the recording or if you're watching this now, you can go on the page and just type in embracing. And I have like a little video that I did, um, but let's do it together. So embracing is a way that your body connects physically to the mental to tell your brain literally do not brace yourself for impact, like relax, (laughs) unclench, and, you know, because we don't have anything eminently on the horizon. So, how we do this, okay? All right, shake your hands out, okay, then you're going to relax your shoulders away from your ears, okay, then you're going to roll them around. Oh, I need to do this. Oh, the recording probably weird. Um, <laughs> and then roll your head around. Okay. Then you're going to, oh my God, I feel so much better already. Then you're going to raise your eyebrows up, up, up as high as they'll go and release. And then you're going to smile as wide as you can stretch out your face and then release as well. So and release. Okay. (sighs) Deep breath. All right. So, and that, again, I'm not saying you're going to do that and be like, Oh my God, I feel great. (laughs) I feel fine. But it just disrupts that cycle. Then you can follow that up with, you know, trying to remind yourself of what the situation is or reaching out for, help or assistance, taking a break. Sometimes you need to like have a process of something to follow to get you to be able to snap out of that moment. And then it's easier to kind of go from there. So those are the ones you can kind of see on the horizon, right? Um, Or I'm sorry, those are the ones you can see, you can kind of like, you still be talking yourself through it, right? What happens when you can't think to say anything or everything you're thinking to say pisses you off because you immediately just want to fight it? That'll happen in that moment. Trying to coach yourself mentally is going to piss you off probably. So you want to do something physical, meaning try to, um, within, within your limits, you know, like try to, I, I love a primal scream. I love a good primal scream. Now, how do you do that and not get a wellness check called on you? Right? So you, I know it sounds crazy. Grab a pillow. Scream into the freaking pillow. You can muffle it. You can muffle it. I'm telling you, nobody will hear. I've done this. I put my phone in another room to try and record what you can hear. Can't hear anything. Muffle it. But again, vagus nerve stimulation. When you get a deep scream, it. When you feel like you could put your back into that scream, like it's you know you feel it from from your ass, <laughs> then that is literally like a release of tension, a release of that, you know, like the bringing down of the cortisol, it resets your entire system. Um, And it just gets some of that physical energy out without you having to literally move. So big primal scream fan. Also um, if you can planks or wall sits, but not more than one, like just one until you feel like you're, you're frigging shaking and then let it go depending on the day I can do these today. I cannot. I could not do a plank, but if you can get away with doing a plank or a wall sit, or even like a leg raise, anything that makes you have to contract your muscles and like shake before releasing again, it, you don't have to verbalize anything. It's just causing that like pressure release. Um, <coughs> I thought that I, I guess I deleted that part that I wanted to include. I don't no. Yeah. And then again, um, showers, I didn't put that here, but I swear having a shower that you look forward to taking, I know it sounds really bougie. Some of you, I have put you onto this already, but the galaxy light, galaxy light in the shower at night, game changer for helping regulate those excess, you know, any excess cortisol you got in your system, you put that light on instead of the overhead light and you just come down from the day. Amazing. Um, What else are my meltdown tips preventative wise eat? If you have, if you are prone to overstimulation meltdowns, then what you need to make sure of is that your adrenaline is as steady as possible. Any kind of big jolts, any kind of stressors like that is really going to throw you into a, a overstimulation swing because it just builds, it builds and builds. And then you're out of control. And next thing you know, meltdown, it's just overstimulation overwhelm central. So really try, if you eat, if you don't eat, I should say, you're really running on fumes and that is going to engage your adrenals and that is going to make you way more prone to melting down. So eat, even it doesn't, I don't care. I would rather you go through a drive-through and and eat something than not eat something. So especially if you're prone to meltdowns, make sure that that's something that you stay on top of. Um, Adequate sleep, same thing for adrenals. It's really important. Obviously, there are things that are outside of our control a lot of times with our sleep, especially clients who have kids that sleep in the bed with them and stuff. Um, But try your hardest to do what you can in your control to not make your sleep more, you know, like less quality, really have a quitting time, you know, and I myself, I'm not the best with the quitting time. Um, Especially lately, I don't know why I guess my calls have been a lot more pressing. Well, And I mean, with last week and everything, like I really love a good TikTok scroll at the end of the night and then it'll turn into like midnight, 1 a.m. really easy. So I've been trying to put my phone away and then I watch 90 Day Fiance on the TV and we put on one episode and then that's it. So do what you can to try and make it so that you're not staying up later than, you know, you want to, or, or feel best with, I don't like should, but feel best with, you know, try to, they have tons of like noise canceling headphones you can wear in your sleep and stuff. If you need that. Um, and just really try to focus on your sleep. Text me with your individual stuff. If you're like, I got stuff going on. So why my sleep sucks, text me and we'll try to troubleshoot it. Um, and I have one more. gone I should have written it but I hope at least I told you in the beginning my goal was to give you guys some relatability to start talking about this topic to to give you some tools that you can use but by no means do I expect you guys to hop off here and be like wow I'm so stable um please text me let me know how this applies to you and your stuff and then we can go from there but I hope it was helpful oh wait let me check the chat before I go um I feel like my PMDD meltdowns are different though. Oh that definitely. They will they're like pushed by a different overwhelm, you know? It's not angry or overstimulated like the sensory meltdowns even though it's still overstimulation. PMDD feels like the world is actually ending. It actually affects my OCD more than anything. Totally. That's what I'm saying is it it creates an environment that's ripe for it. You know, so however that is, however those meltdowns are going to happen at that point, it's going to be impacted by that deep sense of hopelessness that comes with PMDD. It just creates a really prime environment for them to thrive, you know, so just to keep an eye out for that. Um, so again, guys have any questions, you let me know. Um, I'm going to keep these Zooms to monthly and I'm going to try and build up more um awareness leading up to them. And then my hope is by next month. So it's every last Thursday of the month. It's the, we have these, my hope is next month to have a guest speaker. So I'll keep you guys updated on who I'm going to try and get on. And if you need any help, I'm here. So enjoy your night and I will talk to you all soon. Bye.